This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Best and brightest, I can assure you, there is no, I repeat, no truth to the rumor that I am seeking Hummer Aberdeen. No, absolutely no truth to that at all. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest, Jay Severin with you on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 Wait, uh, we have Twitter. We uh, Twitter has returned uh, at J-A-Y underscore doohickey, S-E-V-E-R-I-N. We are back on Twitter. Thank you to Rocky, Stacy, Mate, Rance, Scott, Jenny, uh, every I'm you know I'm leaving people out. Thank you to everybody who kept uh, the faith and kept it up while I was gone. With any luck, um, there aren't going to be uh, every place that I'll always be, but I'll be on Twitter, God willing, as long as there is Twitter and this machine doesn't give out again. Uh, or I can afford a new one. So I'm back on Twitter. Look for me. I have seen and answered several of your tweets already. They will certainly be a part of today's show, more so than ever, uh, in order to make up for our absence. And that is at J-A-Y underscore doohiggy, S-E-V-E-R-I-N. Well, speaking of Hummer, I wonder what men and women think of her or whether uh, patriots, you know, think the same thing of her. But I I will admit to you, as a student of the media, that when I look at her, you have to look at her. Like, when she's on screen, you have to look at her. There is something about a person like that. And it has to do with the TV industry and the movie industry. When Uma is on screen, you look at her and you don't look at anything else. Now, let me be the first to admit, I think she is butt fugly. I'm telling you, I would have already been carried out of the place by you guys having been hurling out in the alleyway 
I would have been blowing chunks for hours. And you guys, I wouldn't remember where I was, who I was. And you would load me into the back of the car and bring me home before I would touch with yours, Uma Abedin. That's how attractive I find her. She, she fogly, she fogly, as far as I'm concerned. However, I realize I, I can't educate everybody and tastes being what they will. I know there are people who will, first of all, have an inexplicable predisposition to Middle Eastern women, and which I've, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, who, who won the Yemeni, Syrian, Arab, uh, Afghan, Pakistani uh, uh, beauty contest? Nobody. Just a pers- personal opinion. Don't mean to offend anyone. Totally a matter of personal taste. I wouldn't, I wouldn't kiss Uma with yours. But I admit that she shoots well, and the camera likes her. There's something about her features the camera likes. She's exotic. Her hair is beautiful. I mean, I would, I'd have sex with her hair. I mean, she's, you know, I mean, is that okay to say? I mean, no, I mean, her hair is just beautiful, which is one of the things I love about, by the way, um, some, not all, Asian women. I love their hair. Just straight black, just black, 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 straight, beautiful, beautiful. And hers has just a little bit of, because she does something to it. You know, she gives it a little bit of body, a little bit of curl. But it's really something out of Arabian Nights. And she's also wise, uh, let me say this as the former creative director of an agency, uh, who has shot, not with a gun, uh, but directed with a camera, thousands of models. I think that her use of that ruby red lipstick very wise, sets off her face and her skin tone beautifully. I would like to see her once with pink lipstick. I wonder if ever she goes out to one of these soirees in Manhattan. She uh, opts for like a pink eyeliner and pink lipstick. That might work very well for her too. But you have to admit, you know what? I'm wrong. You don't have to admit anything, and I will be your lawyer. Jailhouse lawyer, but lawyer nevertheless. You know, when you look at Homer, um, and she's got that ruby red lipstick on, you can't look at anything. No, but you can't look at anybody else on the screen, which is odd because I don't find her the least bit attractive. I'm telling you, I would, you know, you know, freeze a shot she's in and then pick the guy with the heaviest beard next to her in the shot. I'd rather date him, okay? I, I think she is singularly unattractive, though I appreciate why to a 
misguided and largely underexperienced American viewership, they look at her and say, wow, beautiful. Exotic does not mean beautiful. Exotic can just mean exotic. And in her case, exotic just means exotic. She ain't beautiful. In any case, she's gone out of her way, has Hummer, to make herself a big deal. She's been in Vogue magazine twice. She sits for photo shoots. She knows what she's doing. And she's right now one of the, one of the most powerful women in the world. Whether or not Hillary gets elected, and don't depress me about those prospects quite yet. Imagine if Hillary becomes president. She is, she is chief of staff or special advisor who will rule over the chief of staff. This is the most second most powerful woman in the world. And don't forget, both her parents were founders, apparently, of the Muslim Brotherhood and sit on its board. And she wrote for years for the uh, Muslim Brotherhood and Associated Publications. I'm Jay Severin. This is the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 I hope very much to hear from you now that we are back on Twita. one 888 All right, in a second, David, let's take our first break. And when we come back, there are really two big political stories other than Hummer. And, and that is, uh, is our system completely useless because it's electronic and therefore not only known to but controlled by the Russians and the Chinese. Are they going to determine the election because they've already cracked? We know this now for a fact. We know for a fact several American states have been cracked by the Russians. They've gone in, uh, drained, and manipulated voter information in at least two key states. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. With partners, you, the best and brightest. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393. one 3393 I particularly welcome your calls at one 3393 Now, a system uh, hack of our system by the Russians, probably the Chinese and Iranians too, but 
we almost certainly know it was the Russians, has occurred. And what's very simply happened is in key states, which, though the State Department will not confirm, uh, appear to include Illinois and Arizona. Very important states. They're they're all important, but uh, Illinois, Illinois and Arizona uh, have both apparently been hacked. They've gone in. Who is they? Well, they, the Russians, uh, our State Department, everyone on our side is reporting. The Russians have gone in, uh, infiltrated all of the voting boxes, early votes, all of the systems, the reporting systems, everything. And at least in those two, and they believe several states, the Russians have already hacked. What does that mean? What does that mean that they can change the numbers in the ballot box on election night? What can it mean that they can send special messages saying, the polls are broken in this precinct, go to this one, or just bollocks the thing up, uh, you know, in particular. This reminds me of the reason why my dear father was not crazy about the channel changer. (laughs) Sorry to be ancient. My grandfather, my father, my father, my father, was not crazy about the channel changer because he said, this is great. Now no one has to move during the evening. His first reaction. No one has to get up. Everyone can veg. And the second thing is, it's just like power windows, which was a second theory of his. And uh, and 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 uh, what he means is, with the the original clicker, uh, with the TVs, when they broke, you definitely had, you know, well, I have to take it back to the shop for a week because th- there was more stuff going on, so there was more stuff to break. And he related it to his, uh, his, uh, his uh, car theory, which was, yeah, this automatic stuff is great, but believe me, there is going to be more stuff on this car broken in a year than there is working. And he was right. You know, the power windows wouldn't work. You know, just he would much rather roll up a window than hit a button because he knows that the exponential inquiry involved or the exponential difficulty involved mechanically in going from rolling up a window with your elbow in your hand to hitting a button and making it defrost and play Dixie and lower on its own, <laughs> well, you know, would ultimately lead to tears. And of course they did. I've got my prized possession uh, sitting in the, in, in the driveway, which is uh, a, 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 a Mercedes G wagon. Now, I think you know right away, or don't, what those are. They're not anything that you commonly see. They're not any 
wagon made by Mercedes that in the last 15 years, 20 years. These are, every once in a while you see them, you mostly see them in movies. Whenever there is a chase or a security patrol or something like that, these are absolutely square boxes that happen to have wheels. And they and Mercedes, they're automatically armored, uh, even though they're not up armored. And they were built, 500 of them originally, for the Shah of Iran. And then they decided to sell them. If you were lucky, you got one of them. I did. And then uh, I had the opportunity to buy another in the last year they made them, which was 1995. And I got them. I got it. And I'm trying to think. Because mine's a 2005. So I know they started manufacturing them again, so maybe it was, I could have the years wrong, but they stopped. They started for a year, they stopped again, but... They're a very rare car. If you see them, you know them. It's a Mercedes. Uh, it's a Mercedes. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, well, it's a Mercedes, and it's uh, uh, you know it, their SUV. Only an SUV. It ain't. It's a tank. It's a tank. Uh, layered uh, black, really. If you if you want to be hep. Uh, and can go through anything. It can go up a wall, and it's meant for desert warfare, and it's uh, square with with the wheels. Anyway, what does it mean that the Russians can do anything they want to our system? Well, what it means is the Russians can do anything they want to our system, which means I don't trust anything. I don't trust anything that is told me electronically not a thing and it's up it's up to you it's up to us but i don't trust anything i'm told electronically well here we are today <laughs> 10 weeks 10 weeks from election day and we ought to be thinking about a checkup don't worry, I won't keep you long, but I would appreciate it if you'd take off your clothes, put on this Johnny, and leave the front open. Now, it's time for a checkup. Where do you think we are? It isn't tremendously good. There are, of course, daily stories about Hillary's emails. So what? So what? Rudy Giuliani, probably the most trusted prosecutor in America, uh, has been speaking about this loud and clear. And what he has said out loud is that, are you kidding me? Just give me what I know. I don't even have access to their files. Give me what I already know about the Clinton Foundation, and I promise you I can build you a federal RICO case an organized crime case against the Clintons and the Clinton Foundation. Nobody care. Nobody care. Nobody care. They could have uh, 10,000 more emails a day. It doesn't matter what they say. Nobody care. 
Now, the big thing we're looking forward to, well, there are two big things this week. One of them is Trump promises to clarify his immigration policy tomorrow because I promise you, you don't know what it is because, uh, frankly and apologetically, I don't know what it is. Nobody knows what it is. He put his vice president out on television to do a tour talking about this. And poor Mike Pence was hung out to dry because he can't tell people what the immigration policy is. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Best of the brightest, Jay Severin, Blaze Radio Network. 1 888 3393. 1 888 3393. So, today is our 10 week checkup. Woohoo! 10 week checkup. 10 weeks until the election. Where do you think we are? As I say, we have more Hillary emails. Nobody, nobody cares. Tomorrow we can have video of Hillary killing members of her own family. Nobody cares. The people who are voting for Hillary are voting for themselves. They see it that way. They correctly see it that way. They are, for the most part, leeches who are sucking off you for your entire life. Let's face it, there are but two groups in this entire civilization of ours. There are people who make it on their own, and there are people who require the involuntary, the involuntary forced aid of others in order to make it. There are those who make it on our own. There are those who stand right there watching while government lowers a rifle at you and me and steals from us, steals what we have earned, what we earn, what belongs to us Government stands there and steals it right in front of the people who get it. And they say, yeah, okay, I'm voting Democrat, man. I have no problem with this. And the the jackbooted, rapacious thugs of the IRS and those who support that form of government say, this is great. This works really great. And so they steal from people who work. And they turn around and give the money to people who don't work or won't work. But in any case, don't work. But you do. And man, you are prime target number one. 
That's where we are right now in this society. And that's what this election is about. Unfortunately, the blockheads who vote Democrat understand just enough to understand that if they vote for the Democrat, no matter what lying, criminal, idiot the Democrat happens to be, voting Democrat means they continue to get your stuff. Free stuff. <laughs> free stuff. They get more interrupted free stuff. And every dollar of it comes out of us. They understand that much about politics. They understand not to uh, bite the horse or in this case, the pig that feeds them. That's what we're up against. Now, the thing that's uh, hurting, no, killing Donald Trump so far is immigration. As we have discussed, it's his signature policy. Um, he decided, and this would be his big deal, and tomorrow, finally, he is doubling down, tripling down for the final time, I might add, because this is already become a caricature. This has already be, become the uh, closing joke, you know, of late night comedians and all of that. Tomorrow, Donald Trump will give a speech about for which we are waiting, waiting, waiting to correct the confusion on his signal issue which is uh, immigration policy. Now, there are, there are a lot of people who think they know where Donald Trump stands on immigration. And speaking, you know, really cynically and politically, gee, that's good. I would, I would almost tell my client, hold on a second here. 78% you know, of the people think they know where you stand on immigration, and they like it. So why ruin anything by telling the truth? But fact is, the truth to some degree must be told. And tomorrow, Wednesday, in Arizona, Donald Trump has a speech, probably the most important of his campaign. He's waiting to deliver and it will be on immigration. He promises it will be concise. He promises it will be precise. He promises that once we've heard it, we will know exactly where Donald Trump stands on crimigration. But, you know, I'm kind of willing to bet now, if anyone is a betting man or woman, I'm kind of betting that when that speech is over tomorrow that I won't know any more about his policy than I do now. I think a really bad first-year law student could poke 50 holes in what Obama is about to say. No, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Trump is about to say tomorrow. Now, you know, there are a lot of... Uh, by the way, there are many primary opponents, which Donald Trump knocked out. Think of the other 17 that he killed. 
And every one of them is saying, hey, wait, whoa, hey, hold up here. Wait a second. Is Donald Trump not articulating right now almost exactly the policy I was articulating in the primaries? Didn't Donald Trump win and then start to go soft, as he calls it? Isn't what I recommended about immigration, does it sound familiar? Is it exactly what Donald Trump said? Well, you know, there is a case to be made. There is an argument to be made. And that's the problem. What does Trump do? Does Trump try to stabilize, so to speak, on certain matters like immigration? Does he soften, as he's been hinting at? He's going to appear tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. Uh, He's going to appear Saturday at a black church in Detroit. Yeah, on Saturday. And, oh man, could this be a hoot? Donald Trump in front of a black church? If he says the things he's saying on the campaign trail and he says it in front of a black audience, I will give him maybe way more credit than ever before. But I don't think it's going to go too well. I mean, it would be great if it does. But one legitimate complaint is Donald Trump has talked about all of this stuff, uh, but not talked about it before a non-white audience. So this will be significant. I mentioned to you that Rudy Giuliani has said uh, he picked out one case, the UBS case, the bank. He outlined what it is, which is that they wanted favors from the United States. They wanted an IRS fine for something they had been doing uh, illegally. They wanted the fine mitigated. Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, got on a plane, flew to Geneva, and just before or just after received from uh, UBS an enormous, an enormous foundation contribution to the Clinton Foundation. And guess what she did? She grossly reduced the fines against the IRS and said to everybody, okay, go back, business as usual. Now, again, normally you hand this to Rudy Giuliani and he makes a federal case out of it. In this case, nobody care. Nobody care. Um, Which is probably what happens and explains why, as people are arguing other details about other cases, we yesterday welcomed, as Obama threatened he would do, Yesterday, we welcomed the 10,000th Syrian refugee to the United States. And you may think, well, it's a big country. They could put him anywhere. How would you like to live where they put him? They're going somewhere. 10,000's a lot. I mean, if every state gets 500, is that about right? You know, It's easy to think, they're going to stick them up in Portland, Maine, or Corpus Christi, Texas, 
and we're not going to have to see them. 10,000 refugees, not a single one, not a single one about whom we know anything, although containing among them almost certainly Islamic jihadist assassins sent here to kill us. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show. With partners on the Blaze Radio Network. 1-888-900-3393. Partner on the phone, Romano. Welcome back from Hello, Nevada Jay. country. Yes, sir. Talk about uh, Trump going to speak to the uh, in front of a black audience. I heard Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday excoriate don't remember who he was talking to. He says, yeah, but Trump's been, he's been running for president for 14 months. I believe it was him. It could have been uh, on CNN with uh, Jacob Tapper. He's been running for president for 14 months. This is the first time he's going to talk to a black group. Well, pardon me, but he wasn't uh, running for president. He was running for nomination of the GOP. And we all know 97% of black people are going to vote Democratic. I mean, generally speaking. Yep. Yep. So what, what, what would the reasoning be for him running for the nomination to speak to groups of uh, a monolith that's not going to vote for him anyway? Then the second Romano, I think, is... <clears throat> I believe we all know the answer to this. We find it frustrating. I do. But it's something we have to put up with. Donald the, Trump the knows. The double standard. Go ahead. Well, there's, there's that, yes, always. But the reason that Trump is making this appearance at the black church is not actually to gain black votes at the very least at the very least and this is what uh, a lot of these terms are thrown around but within the building when professionals were talking and i was at the table when voter suppression was discussed voter suppression off the lips of jesse jackson means you're trying to like Stop blacks from getting to the voting, the polling place on election day. That's that's voter suppression to Jesse Jackson. That's not voter suppression. Used also to be asking them to see their the, photo ID. Yeah, uh, well, you know, and I agree with the photo ID, and I don't think it's voter suppression. But the that was old-fashioned voter suppression. The new kind of voter suppression, quote unquote, unquote is merely having to prove you are who you are, like a voter ID. Oh, my God, I can't have an ID. I can't prove to you that I haven't voted 11 other times today. You know, so the, 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 new, the new voter oppression is having to prove that you're alive and, you know, an American. Uh, but other than that, the reason that... Uh, uh, Donald speaks to a black audience, black church, is not because he thinks he can really win any votes, except if he could, by making himself less an ogre, 
And, you know, why? Is he an ogre so far? No. But all Republicans are ogre in the black uh, community. So Thank you very much. Any, Republi- <laughs> any Republican who, by virtue of making the effort, no matter what they say, no matter where they go, just if you make the effort a few times, even if you get the shite booed out of you, if you make the chance to go to black churches and talk your talk, then eventually, not as a result of the first one, but eventually by the fourth time you do it, you're going to get people saying, hey, look, the guy knows he's going to get booed. He's showing up anyway because he wants you to understand why his policies would do better for you than the automatic plantation policies onto which you've signed for, you know, a hundred years with the Democrats. Democratic National Committee, right. Yep. And so if Trump does it and gets booed out of the joint the first time, I would say, do it again. Do it again the next day. Then do it again. Keep doing it. Though let's not kid ourselves. What this is all about is black voters thinking Donald Trump is not terrible so they don't turn out to vote against him. It's not really about getting them to vote for him. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, tomorrow, I appreciate tomorrow is a long time to wait, but tomorrow is the big enchilada. It is when Donald Trump will finally articulate, or fail to, his position chosen by him as his numero uno, to make a point, that's illegal immigration. We shall, by this time tomorrow, know every detail of exactly what Donald Trump's position on this is, or... We won't. Very toss. Welcome back. Best of Brides, Jay Severin with you. The Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393. one 3393 All right, for openers, we discussed yesterday, and I think it bears uh, uh, repeating in short form, one thing that every pro-immigration Every pro-open border jerk-off on earth is going to offer as an argument right out of the Democrat playbook is, well, even if this were a good idea and it's not, it's not possible. Now, I opined yesterday at considerable length, it is possible. It is absolutely possible to do. If we were told 
that there were a secret list of Islamic jihadists hidden among the 10,000, 10,000 who arrived in the United States yesterday. And that's fine, isn't it? Unless they're not near you. Everybody's thought on this is, well, I wonder where they're going to put those Syrians. Hmm. Guess it won't bother me. Well, if they put them north of Boston, it would bother me. There's plenty of room up here. I don't know where they're going. But you know, if they go to your neighborhood, then let me hear from you. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine here. Three here? Wait, let me do that again. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Now there is that. There is the ten thousandth Syrian refugee utterly unvetted. We don't know one thing about any of them except that we know there are among them terrorists who will kill Americans. And then when we trace, which we'll try not to do, believe me when I tell you that the simplest proposition that will occur to you and me when the next American is slain by one of these uh, refugee tourists, you would want to know. Okay, wait. Did who who killed who who killed this family? Was it one of these refugees or not? Good luck trying to find out. Good luck. Gee, I'm afraid the State Department doesn't have those records. No, you don't have any records on anybody. But we do have. And this is not the only 10,000. This 10,000 represents, uh, you know, an addition of 10,000 to probably what is 50,000 that we've already taken in. And nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'll tell you what, though. Soon, somebody's going to care. Because the unbelievable notion of a generation ago which is open borders is happening you know what Barack Obama wants you also know he's restrained by his office and circumstance and his influence on Hillary's campaign from saying certain things but you and I both know what Obama wants has always wanted has lived to want open borders. You know, such that would have allowed him to come in here a little easier than he did when he came in as an unborn American, because he is. Obama wasn't born in this country. It's a perfectly legitimate attitude. I have it. Obama was not born in this country. Obama was not born in this country. Does that make him a bad person? Nah. Nah. I know plenty of people not born in this country who revere the flag, who have fought, sacrificed, died in our armed forces, who otherwise serve our country in many ways. 
So am I against people not born here? No. Am I against people not born here who hate my country? Yes. Obama was not born in the United States of America. He and the big, big, open, colon, Kaepernick ought to go somewhere holding hands together, but get the F out of our country is where they ought to be. This is my opinion, of course. But that's where we are. So today, 10,000 Syrian immigrants come in, and it's just literally the beginning of what Obama is planning to do. Obama sees no borders. Obama sees certainly the Judeo-Christian European system, which is the origin of our country. It's funny. You go to Belgium, you see Belgians. Go to France, two out of, two out of 10 times you meet someone, they'll be French. The other two times, they'll be Algerian, Muslims. And it's, get, it's, getting, it's going to be before the end of the century, it'll be four or five out of 10 Frenchmen will be Frenchmen, but they'll be Algerian. You want to go to, maybe you'd like to travel to old Oslo. See what old Oslo, Norway is like. Well, bring your prayer rug. Maybe you'd like to go to uh, pick a city in Germany. Maybe you'd like to pick an old, uh, you know, medieval township somewhere in the middle of Germany to visit. Bring your prayer rug. Maybe you'd like to visit Italy, Ireland, France, Germany, Finland, Norway, Belgium, Spain, uh, Greece. Uh, bring your prayer rug. Because I'm telling you the athlete's entrance into the Olympic Games is one of the leading barometers of what is happening right now around the world. And that is when you see the sign that says, Norway, they, I always look forward to that, uh, Norway marches in and it looks almost exactly the same as the flag that says Afghanistan. So does Germany's, so does Finland's, Finland looks like it's a all Pakistani team. You know what? If it's all right with you, it's not all right with me. But I'll do my best to uh, avoid it, run from it, go anywhere on earth with my family. It can be avoided for the longest possible time. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
This is the Jay Severin Show. Guys, it's summertime, and so I don't regard that exactly a license, but kind of an excuse to give in to a congenital uh, uh, inclination uh, on my regard to switch topics intermittently and go into things that I also love. And one of them is football. I am so excited. I am wetting myself that football is about to start again. I love it. I love everything about it. I have things to say about it that will will piss you off. And other things, I'd like to see whether you agree. I think I may try on a few today or tomorrow. But... Pardon me. Do you know I've got the flu? Do you know I've got the flu and it's freaking August? How do you get the flu in August? Weak genes is how. All right. Speaking of more sporting genes, Darwinian genes, the ones that will foster families that survive because they have stronger genes. These NFL players. Just now I had to turn in the break to a discussion of uh, the big colon, Kaepernick. And they had on the panel a guy who, I'll bet anything, went to Princeton. And I think I recognized his glee club tie. He has on a bow tie. I think it's the Princeton Glee Club tie. Don't get me wrong. I love Princeton. Wish I had been good enough to go there. I admire them. Leaders of the universe. But, you know, you're a basic fag. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. Let's be truthful with each other. And I don't mean anything. I don't mean anything sexual by that. I mean that as a totally, as a cultural, you know, wisecrack. Okay, really, truly, really. I'm not mocking anybody for their sexual preference. I and and I and and Princeton ought to be glad that I'm not getting into sexual preference, by the way. But no, I just mean, you know, he's so they've got this little Pisha Luke on television with he's his head's about the diameter of a, of an orange and he's got a bow tie on as big as his shoe and his hair all pasted down and uh, looks like beaver cleaver. And he's telling me about football. Why do I feel that I, I, I just don't, I'm not likely to take to heart a lot of the insights of a midget with slick down hair and a Princeton glee club tie on telling me about football. Huh? I mean, his best excuse could be, oh, yeah, I played football at Princeton. In which case, my response would be, why am I listening to a little dork with slick down hair and a Princeton Glee Club tie on telling me about football? They don't play Princeton football. Then they do, but they don't. Believe me, they don't play football at Princeton. You don't want to play squash against them. You don't want to play their chess team. You don't want to debate them. 
You don't want us two-man skull row them. But football? I'll put together a team of girls that will beat that football team next week in a scrimmage, okay? In any case, what what they're on here is is to talk about the big colon Kaepernick and whether it's right or not. And, and the thing that bothers me about this is that I don't want their opinion. I don't want, I love you and I don't want your opinion. I love me tremendously and I don't want my opinion. I mean, within other outside a narrow band, the, the narrow band is, did he do right or wrong? Now, I think anybody in this audience has the same uh, assessment of his attitudes. But, you know, and, and how we feel about his not standing for the national anthem. I have already thought of a commercial for this. A guy makes a cut. It opens with a guy making a cut real quick, receiving a little out pass. Uh, in his right in his up in his armpit, and he takes the ball. He takes the ball, and he said, uh, "Nice catch." And he takes off his helmet, and he drops the ball, and he said, "But see, I can't really do this." And then the camera pans down, and he has no legs. And he says, see these legs? Neither do I. I don't have them anymore. I left them in Afghanistan. Hey, Colin, uh, big Colin Kaepernick. How about you? You missing anything that you... Sacrificed for your country? I mean, I'm really, I'm dying to cut a spot. I, I don't, it's, it's stupid. I know it's, it's too emotional. But as a former commercial maker, uh, former and once again, maybe future commercial maker, I, you know, I, I, I really want, I want a spot with a normal looking great American guy just snagging a pass and just stopping and, and saying, See this leg? Me neither. It's in Afghanistan. I see you have both of yours, Colin. I'm just, I'm, I'm sick about it. Now, whatever Colin Kaepernick has the right to say, and he does, where that stops is when he is on 49er property. Now, I know the law, and I know this. I know the moment he drives his Lamborghini onto the parking lot of the 49ers, the moment he walks in the locker room, the moment he's in the building, the moment he puts on the uniform, the moment he's on the clock, the moment he's on the property... And he's on the clock for the 49ers. He's not Colin Kaepernick anymore. He's number 49 
or 16 or whatever it is. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have a name. And anybody who knows football and professional sports and life knows that, knows that I'm right. Kaepernick does not have a name. He has a number. He's a number among other numbers. And someone owns those numbers just as sure as I own this desk I'm hitting my fist on. I own this desk. The 49ers own Colin Kaepernick. And when he drives on that facility, when his car gets on that parking lot, he is owned by the San Francisco 49ers, by contract, by law. When he puts on that uniform, he is not colon. He's number 16. Shut up, number 16. Do this, number 16. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Drop and give me 100. Do this. Or don't. Because if you don't, then you're fired. Leave the facility. Drive outside the parking lot and spew whatever filth you want. When you are wearing the uniform of this team, of your teammates, of Americans killed and wounded in action in our flag. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. I have from Jessica, if I can get through this, uh, my brother missed, sorry, my brother missed the birth of his first son on his third tour to dodge mortars so that the big colon Kaepernick can sit on his ass during the anthem. That's from uh, Jessica, which I believe I've retweeted. That's what it's about. It's about the commercial I'd like to make, but won't get to make. Never had the NFL as a client. Used to have the NHL. Maybe someday I'll get a sports league again as a client because there's so much to say and say well creatively. But right now, if the NFL had the balls, they would let me cut this spot where a guy just, you know, cut, boom, catches a pass. Right there, sideline cut, 10 and out. Just when he's receiving the ball, boom. He, he gets it, he stops, and hobbles a little. Then he takes off his helmet, he drops the ball, said, see that catch? You see this leg? See these legs? Me neither. I left them in Afghanistan so that the big, big open colon Kaepernick could complain about the $60 million he's earned being 
a shite athlete in the country he hates so much. John from Ohio, welcome. Hello, Jay. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I John, really appreciate thank you. your show. Thank you. You're great, man. Thanks. Hey, uh, easy question, man. Where do we send the contribution to be able to do that commercial? Who do you think would carry it, and how much do you think it would cost? <laughs> uh, it's a lovely thought. Um, if if only, you know, if only. It would, it would take a gargantuan effort. I mean, uh, for me to write it and produce it would cost nothing. It would be a labor of love. Uh, for me to take a crew out for the day, probably $20,000. And then to buy it, to put it on anywhere, you, you'd have to hope that it had the effect of, you're too young to remember this, but you're too bright not to know of it. You know the Goldwater uh, daisy picking spot with the little girl picking the daisy petals while the too ominous... Young, from you talking about it. Pardon me? I'm too young to have seen it, but I know it from you talking about it on your show. As I say, you're too young you're too young to have seen it, but too wise not to know about it. And it's uh, the spot was in the 1964 presidential, uh, 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 I'm sorry, election. And it was Lyndon Baines Johnson who was, and uh, God may ever forgive us, Lyndon Baines Johnson who started and escalated the war in Vietnam uh, to our everlasting shame. Ran as the peace candidate. And Barry Goldwater ran, you know, as the war candidate. Why? Well, he's the Republican, and Republicans love war. Democrats hate it, but you know, President Johnson was uh, persecuting a war, uh, prosecuting a war, uh, come to be known as Vietnam. So since... Uh, Goldwater, the Republican, was the stronger of the two militarily. Uh, it, it, that's how it turned out. I mean, but Goldwater was the hawk, Johnson was the dove, and even though he was prosecuting a war in which young American boys, including my cousin, uh, Richie died with a bullet through the head at 18, um, Johnson ran as the peace candidate, uh, John, and... Uh, in so doing, he, people who work for him, created a spot, and it was uh, a little girl in a field, beautiful, beautiful blonde little girl, probably four years old, five years old, a blonde in a jumper, blue eyes, uh, and she was running in a field of flowers, and she picked up a daisy, and she picked off the petals, and one by one, she said, one, two, three, four, uh, or maybe, maybe she went backward, you know, you know, 10, nine, eight, I don't know, I forget now how the count was done, sure. but at some point near three or four, this extremely ominous, it was beautifully produced, this extremely on, uh, on, uh, uh, ominous male voice takes over with an echo chamber behind it. And as she continues to pick the petals off, 
this takes over, this audio overrides the little girl. And and the voice is saying, four, three, two, one. And then you, the screen is filled with the frightening eruption of a missile launch and a missile leaving the ground. And then the voice of Lyndon Johnson saying, this is our choice, either to learn to live together or destroy mankind. Now, I, I'm taking a pass on what those words were exactly because I don't remember. I know his sure. opening words were, this is our choice. But I'm, I know I'm very close. Well, it's widely regarded uh, by people in and out of the business, including me, as the single most brilliant piece of propaganda ever created. And what people don't know about it, which is kind of fun, if anything about this can be fun, John, is that everybody of the age who might have been watching television during that time knows this spot. And one way or the other, I don't think there's an American over 25 who couldn't possibly have been around for the spot that doesn't know this spot. Almost every American knows about this commercial. And, and, and the remarkable thing about that is, do you know how many times it's played? I thought I heard you say only once. 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 The Goldwater. Quite impactful. Johnson, Daisy, Spot played exactly once. I think it was during an NFL game. Uh, or when it, or it could have been primetime evening. I don't know. Uh, I, I suspect it was earlier in the day, just given the nature of it. But it played exactly once. Not once in every market. Not once. You know, just like, I mean, it, it played once and everyone virtually everyone in america knows about it anyway so that's kind of the model and you always dream i've made hundreds 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 of tv commercials and you always hope to do something that you know that works and i've, I've made my share um never made that one but and i'm not saying this one's it but i would just i just think the time is right and the turning point is nigh and I would love to see a spot. I would just love to see a spot. And maybe the guy catching a pass is a bad idea. You know, but I know what the good idea is. That the heart of the spot, John, is, you know, that he can look down and say, I really think the idea is good that he's doing, that he just catches, catches a pass and says, you know, I can't really do, I'd love to do this. I can't really do this. You see this leg? No, me neither. I left it in Kabul. You know, um, I think it ought to be something like that. I'll bet you, Jay, you have a ton of listeners right now thinking the exact same thing. Uh, you're very kind. And I'd like to make one comment concerning Copernic uh, or Copernic, whatever. I'm not a big football fan. Right. I think sphincter as opposed to colon would be more correct for him. <laughs> 
Well, the only reason I picked the very big, open, huge, gaping colon is because that happens to be his first name. Oh, I didn't know that. See, that's how little I know yeah. about football. <laughs> yeah, so I figured, you know, if opportunity presents, if opportunity knocks, why not answer? God love you. Jay, you're doing good work. Uh, I, I love your show. I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if you were able to put this together and said, hey, people pull some money, I don't think you'd have any trouble raising a few bucks. The only problem I would see with what little I, with what little I know is having somebody carry it. I think it would be exactly right. Uh, I, I, Very it, astute. It would be radioactive to anybody. Yep, they with probably the wouldn't take it. They probably no network that takes NFL football would take the spot, and that yeah. pretty much brings you down to uh, you know Saturday morning cartoons. But I love you for saying so, and uh, maybe I'll have the time to do something like that uh, soon. John, thank you I very love much. You back. Jay. Thanks very much. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Partners at 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. I appreciate this is an indulgence and um, uh, maybe an invitation to you know turn the dial. I, I never want to induce you to do that. But um, <clears throat> speaking of football season, I really... I. I don't know why. I mean, I don't imagine the reasons are very mysterious given where and how I grew up and in what family and all of that. But there is something about the beginning of football season that represents a renewal to me. It's like, you know, New Year's, eh, eh, I'm trying to think of birthdays, eh, you know, it's great. They're all great. But the beginning of football season, that's somehow how I've always measured my life. <laughs> I mean it. I mean, I feel that way with respect to the hockey season. God knows I do. Oh, God, hockey. Oh, the bane of my life. How, how did I have to become a Bruins fan? But at least when I moved 15 years ago to New England, I inherited the best football team that ever was, the New England Patriots. And I know, and I've lived, I've lived with this. Every year, every year, I know we're going to kick your ass. <laughs> every year, we're going to kick your ass. We're going to the Super Bowl. That the standard of the New England Patriots is, and our fans is, playing in the Super Bowl, and pretty much winning it. Now, we don't always do it. We've just done it more than anybody, okay, in the last 10 or 15 years. So I moved here and inherited the best quarterback who ever played the game with the most beautiful, sexiest wife of any NFL player ever. That counts. You know, and, and, and the best 
organization, owner, coach, coaches, establishment, team philosophy, everything about the Patriots, do your job, is how I run my life and my family. I mean, I don't have a jersey. I really don't. I don't have a single piece of sports paraphernalia. Okay, one exception. I do have Bruins sweatpants that my girls gave me on uh, last, I think, Christmas. Uh, I, I sometimes cover up the Bruins part with the tape when they're playing really bad, which is often. But I, I just I have a foreboding about this season. If you irrationally attribute to the football season, and I do irrationally attribute to the football season, the beginning of the next cycle of life and all of that, I just assume that at the end of the first six games, we're going to be five and one or six and oh. And I know there, it, there are a couple of ugly, rea- fugly realities coming. One is that Tom Brady cannot play in the first four games. First four games of the season. It's Brady Gate, and we lost. Tom cannot play until Cleveland in the fifth week. Now, our backup, I'm sure he's a fine young man. I'll tell you what. If I had had three, four weeks warning, I could go out there and I would be the backup quarterback for the Patriots right now. That This kid is no good. And this is all we've got. So I'm really looking at this with, you know, a little trepidation here. I I think the the New England Patriots are going to be maybe at best. I mean, can I live with this? Are they going to be in the middle of the pack or the bottom of the pack at Christmas time? I don't think I can stand it because, as I say, we really count on kicking your ass no matter where you're from because we're the New England Patriots. And, you know, I have to think about these things. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.